Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by Carr Ingham, who is the CEO of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, a really great and neat organization that deals with energy producers. And, of course, our very own David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. But before I bring um, the guys on, I wanted to just kind of tell you today is our live show. So this is where we do encourage our listeners to jump on the phone and ask questions of Carr or David, and sometimes even myself. So let me give you that number. If you want to call in and be a part of today's show, it's 210-308-8867. Again, that number is 210-308-8867. Or you can just go to the answer, uh, AM, 9.30 AM, the answer, and you'll have the information to call into the show as well. Um, And you might wonder, well, gee, what are some of the questions that I might want to talk about today? And I'm pretty sure that everyone has uh, oil, oil prices on their mind. What uh, is going on with Saudi Arabia and Russia? We also um, believe that the show will be filled with a lot of discussion on um, oil prices in the market and what is that going to mean uh, for you. I think we've all figured out that just because we have a a cheap gas at the pump doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's a good thing for us. Uh, And then, of course, there is the crazy buying sprees going on in our grocery stores today with the coronavirus and all of that crazy nonsense. So please feel free to join in uh, and uh, you know, join in on the discussion here on In the Old Patch Radio Show. The phone number again is 210-308-8867. I would also like to encourage you to join the fastest growing energy network. It's called the Energy Chamber, and it's put together by the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, better known as TEAK. They have been putting on great events for people who want to grow their business in the energy sector. And it's a great organization for you to be a part of. Um, They typically have mixers, luncheons, and other great events for you to market and grow your business in in the oil and gas sector. So for more information, I encourage you to go to txenergyadvocates.org. Again, that's txenergyadvocates.org. And I'm sure I will see you at their next event. And now it's time to bring on our guest. Uh, today we're being joined again by Carr Ingham, CEO of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Carr, are you there? I am here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, let me see, David, are you also with us? I am certainly here. Excellent. Um, so I really enjoy having both of you guys on because usually when we have someone call in, um, you know, we have a great listenership that typically tends to really have their finger or the pulse, if you will, on oil and gas. And I can't think of two smarter uh, gentlemen who really kind of know everything pertaining to oil and gas. Uh, so thank you for being a guest today. I uh, We have a lot to cover. There's obviously a lot going on. And um, so let's start off with, um, you know, Carr, what is the 
What is the, well, let's start off with just quickly. Your what is the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers y'all's main goal? Well, our main goal is to effectively represent uh, the oil and gas industry, uh, its operators, the people who are involved in that business of producing, um, of, of exploring for and producing crude oil and natural gas, bringing it to the surface and then moving it into the marketplace where it can benefit um, the economy, the consumers, the things that power our economy and make it go. That is the essence of what our people do, and that's the essence of what the oil and gas business does in the state of Texas and beyond. Our particular mission in terms of doing this uh, involves uh, representing the oil and gas business at the governmental advocacy level, principally in Austin. Um, uh, Thank goodness oil and gas remains an industry that is largely regulated at the state level. That's certainly true in Texas, and we've got people who know how to do that. So interaction with our regulators and the legislative um, community uh, in Texas and in Austin, uh, but D.C. as well. Uh, a, lot, a lot of things that go on in D.C. in terms of regulation, in terms of energy tax policy, in terms of trying to fend off things like Green New Deal and other uh, idiotic proposals that don't uh, have a basis in economic reality at all. Um, this is what we exist to do is to represent the oil and gas industry and principally in terms of the Texas Alliance, the independent oil and gas producers in Texas. And I often just describe this as a great group of oil and gas operating companies that people have never heard of. We can all name a bunch of companies that people know, know, know who they are. They're publicly traded. They're big outfits. We've certainly got a goodly number of those as members in the large publicly traded independents. Uh, but our mission is to represent smaller independent oil and gas producers who are great at what they do. They've been around long enough to have seen everything there is to say, well, until now, I suppose. And, um, uh, again, great operators, companies you've never heard their names before, uh, mm-hmm. but we would be vastly worse off without them. Well, and, you know, I think when we look at uh, the alliance and how you guys are set up where you have some great people that are obviously um, in D.C. and take walking the halls of, of Congress and, of course, you know, here in Texas and advocating for the oil and gas sector since it's so important and vital to not just Texas but the United States. It's good to see you guys have a pulse on it. But then you, too, being the economist, petroleum economist, uh, really kind of helps everybody be reassured that you kind of are speaking and coming from a spot where you're very familiar with. So when you speak on, you know, what can we expect, it's usually very, very good advice. Um, and so it's good to see that the Alliance is is looking out for the independent, like you said, because um, sometimes their voice is a little hard uh, to be heard, but there's a lot more of them, and we need them that's, that's to, right. to stay strong. A lot strong. more of them and a lot more of the wells they represent. I mean, um, if you, if just sort of band this independent oil and gas community together and the kind of lower volume wells that they represent, it's probably 80% of the wells in Texas and nationally, 80% plus. And so it's just an extraordinary part of what happens, the extraordinary part of providing uh, uh, petroleum energy to the United States. And you guys are also very time-tested. You all, The organization has been around for a very, very long time. Yeah, in the, its earliest forms, we were about to celebrate our 90th year, as a matter of fact, uh, in terms of the organizations that were the beginning organizations that ultimately turned into the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. That was going to happen. Our, we're still going to somehow celebrate the 90th year, but uh, 
there seems like our, our annual meeting in which we were going to do this is at the end of April, and um, the chances are waning that that meeting is going to occur, I'm afraid. Right. Well, it kind of looks like a lot of events are going to take hold right. in the in the fall and in the winter because of all the cancellations right now. David, and I by don't... the way, the only other thing I'll say, and you were as we're introducing David and bringing him on the show, you know, every time I think I know quite a lot about oil and gas, I go read one of David's columns and he's so realize, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, just how far behind I actually am. So. No, it, it's it's so, David, yes, you know, welcome to the show. And, of course, he needs very little introduction as well. Um, obviously, he's the editor of Shell Magazine, consistently writing the articles uh, for the publication. Um, can you give us a little insight on who you're working on right now, who's scheduled to be the upcoming cover uh, for this issue with Shell Magazine? Oh, we might have lost Oh, I'm it. sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry I had you on mute. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's okay. I'm sorry. Uh the, the, the Permian Basin Partnership, um, which is a coalition of 17 companies, and it's uh, out there in the Permian Basin who have put together a huge budget for uh, working with communities there in, in West Texas um, on specific projects to benefit their communities. And uh, the, the feature, of course, is Tracy Bentley, the CEO of the Permian Partnership. And uh, it's it's a wonderful organization, a great story, and I know people are going to enjoy reading it in our next issue. Right, and, and you know, by the way, Carr, thank you very much. That that's a wonderful compliment coming from you. I appreciate it. True. Well, You're welcome. You, you know, uh, just jumping back and closing out the segment here, the first segment on uh, Tracy Bentley. You know, we we uh, met her maybe about six months ago. She's fairly new, but then so is a strategic. Uh, partnership, Permian Basin Partnership. But one of their initiatives is to really study the health care and see what is the need in the Midland Odessa area, that whole area. And I'm assuming that now with the coronavirus, uh, it's kind of changed some of the direction um, of their group and what they're having to focus on and, and possibly having operators um, look at, you know, how are they dealing with the virus out in uh, the rig sites as well as, you know, in their um, service centers and things like that out in Midlands. It'll be interesting to to read her story, but also then to catch up with her. She's scheduled to come on the radio soon after we release that issue uh, to kind of talk about it and see. I'm, I'm interested to see if they really had to do some fundamental changes in helping their operators of how they're doing day to day. Any Either one of you have a comment on that? Well, I would certainly imagine they have. You know, this, this uh, pandemic is, is going to impact every business in the country and uh, certainly is going to, to change everyone's the way everybody does business for a little while. Um, you know, we've already had some of the bigger companies in the Houston area basically tell their employees to, to work from home if it's at all possible. And, uh, you know, I think you'll probably it will have an impact on, on rig activity and, and uh, service company activity out there in the Permian as well as, you know, people people uh, want to, to stay home and, and avoid becoming infected with this virus. Right, right. And, you know, yeah. as we get ready for break, I, I, I do want to say that I think that this might also be sometimes bad things happen, um, and you know, and you don't really know some of the reasons. But I think it's really going to be a very eye-opening experience for the general public to see how important crude really is in their daily lives and that, you know, keep it in the ground and all these different anti-oil and gas groups. Um, When they really start seeing how these things affect their daily lives, they might have a different approach on how they're looking at to keep it in the ground and, and do we really need these resources. So 
Hopefully something good will come out of that. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We are actually live today in studio, in our San Antonio studio, 9.30 a.m., The Answer. And I'm going to encourage our listeners who are listening to the show right now, call in. I'm sure you have a question on oil and gas or even the coronavirus, and our experts are here to answer your question. Uh, The phone number is 210-308-8867. Guys, uh, Carr and David, before the break, we were uh, talking about, um, you know, just kind of who you guys are and uh, what you, you know, who you represent. Um, I would like to take a call. We have a call coming out of San Antonio. Clint, um, are you there? And what is your question for Carr and David? Yes. Uh, thank you. Take my call. I have a question. What will be the impact for the energy sector with President Trump purchasing 7,700, I mean, 77 million and crude filling up our petroleum petroleum reserves. Very good question, and I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to cover that too. It seems like there was a lot of traction on Facebook. Um, Car David, let's. Uh, what are, what do you guys think about? Will this have an impact? And if so, to what degree? Well, it will have an impact, and let's not forget how we started this past week. Uh, we started this past week after a crude oil collapse over the weekend right. uh, with a planned release, not purchase, a planned release of barrels, a uh, uh, considerable number of bar- millions of barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve into the marketplace. This has been scheduled for a long time, didn't have anything to do with recent market events. It was just on the calendar as something that was going to happen um, and the next round of this was supposed to be on Tuesday of this last week. So we went into this week expecting a release of barrels from the petroleum reserve, not a purchase of barrels into the petroleum reserve. So the first thing we had to do was get that stopped because it's just terrible time for that. Uh, it would have been further market depressing. It also wouldn't have raised the cash that they intended to raise because the price of oil is half of what it was a couple of months ago. And it would have been nowhere close to what they purchased that oil for. And so the first uh, order of business was to get that canceled, which we and other associations and other players uh, spent a lot of time on last Monday, managed to get that done, and then kind of reverted to that into a purchase of new barrels for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And frankly, it's just a good idea. Um, You can get that oil on sale now and acquire it, put it into the reserve, 
um, and it will most certainly help to prop up the markets. Uh, there's little doubt about the fact that prices would be worse right now, will be worse in the coming days um, had this move uh, not occurred. This won't solve the problem. I mean, this is not sending us back to $50 oil or $40 oil uh, in and of itself. It's going to stabilize things, uh, give the markets a, you know, kind of a sense of, um, of uh, a little upside support uh, during a period of, uh, of extraordinary weakness and, uh, and sharp price declines. And so we were certainly in favor of this, and we're awfully glad to see it. Excellent. David, do you have a, a thought on this? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, this was a good idea. You know, the whole idea with, uh, with buying and selling oil uh, in any endeavor, including the National Petroleum Reserve, is, is to buy it cheap and sell it high, right? And we were about, as Carr says, because of uh, a provision that was in the last omnibus spending bill, we were going to sell millions of uh, barrels out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to as a pay-for for some other thing that was in that bill, which have been incredibly stupid at $30 a barrel. And instead, the president made the decision to buy oil instead and fill the thing up with this cheap oil, which is very smart planning and, and exactly what should have been done. And, of course, of course, he's been criticized for doing that by the Democrats, but that you know that's no surprise to anyone. Of course not. But, you know, I guess um, my question would be, so in filling this and stabilizing car, as you said, um, does this take a lot of what was going to flood the market? Uh, does it take it off the market? And so as it stabilizes, what can we expect to see? Uh, and maybe you, maybe you really don't want to take a guess at this, but can we see prices just either stabilizing and staying where they are? Or do we see that we get over this a little faster and we start returning to some prices going up, the, the price of crude? Well, I, I think between these two events, the decision not to sell out of the reserve and into the marketplace uh, and then flip-flopped into actually purchasing barrels for the reserve, uh, you know, uh, at, uh, I certainly think there is a price stabilizing impact there. Now, again, if the expectation on anybody's part is to um, send crude oil, you know, $10 north, uh, just a result of that purchase, um, then you know I, I I think that's a kind of a wrong-headed uh, expectation. If I'm wrong about that, that'll suit me just fine. But uh, this is not going to be a panacea, and it's not going to um, it's not going to go very far. I'm afraid toward um, undoing or uh, counteracting uh the market developments uh, between the Saudis and the Russians of uh this last week never mind our own continued high levels of production here in the United States yeah i'm wondering how um if 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 the Saudis and Russia are kind of regretting this this decision that they've currently decided to get themselves into and um see how that pans out but i guess only time will will tell when when we get back from break we're getting ready to go to break um, I know David has a couple of questions, and um, so we have some questions that have come in from also uh, emails from Shale, but um, on our email. If you want to call into the show and be a part of the show, please call 210-308-8867, or you can call us toll-free at 866-308-8867. Once again, if you want to call in and talk to Car Ingham or David Blackman, the number is 210-308-8867. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our free business snapshot that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now. 210-240-7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash business snapshot. Start dealing with a company you can trust and will always be there for you. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Car Ingham with uh, CEO of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine and Guys, we have one of our favorite fans on the show, Joe, calling us from the Woodlands. Joe, are you there? And what's your question for David and Carr? Well, of course I'm here. And uh, my question is about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, where the uh, president is going to have the United States buy some of the um, excess oil and store it. But from what I've been reading, uh, the total amount of storage available is around 750 uh, million barrels, but right now the total amount being stored is around 675, so it's not that much more. We're almost at capacity right now, so will more salt domes be leased, or will they have to uh, find more storage areas? I'm not really sure how that works. That's That's the question. That's a good question, Joe. I had read online that um, when the Obama administration was in office, they had actually depleted a lot of it. And so um, I'm not sure if there's capacity or not. David Carr, are you all familiar with this? Yeah, it was was at full capacity uh, four or five years ago, and then there was some sold off. It wasn't really the administration so much as Congress. You know, they... They put these things in these bills. Uh, you have the Congressional Budget Office process where you have to, quote, pay for certain spending provisions that go into these omnibus spending bills. And uh, Congress on several occasions, really over the past seven or eight years, has chosen to sell crude oil out of the SPR as a pay for. And so it, it did get sold down quite a bit during the Obama years. Uh, there's been at least one sale during the Trump years as well. But, you know, 75 million barrels of oil is still a substantial amount of oil. But it's, as Carr says, it's, you know, really it's not going to be any kind of a panacea for oil prices making that sale. And I Carr, mean, making that purchase. Excuse me. And Carr, you had done the, the math. So um, tell me a little bit about. Yeah, just, just, to, uh, uh, just to put a little bit finer pencil on the question for both Joe and Clint, appreciate both those guys, by the way. My math suggests that we might have, if we purchased every barrel, 
to fill up every little uh, blank space in the in the reserve, we could purchase around 90 million barrels of oil, and the number may not be that high, as David suggested, but let's say it was 90. Well, 90 million barrels of oil, um, at, at the current rate of production in the United States, we would produce that in about one week. One week. Mm. At the current level of production in Texas, we would produce that in about 18 days. And so this is the reason that this is not going to bump crude oil prices up appreciably higher. It's going to help. And by the way, let's not forget what the reason for the existence of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in the first place is, and that is to make petroleum energy crude oil available to the nation should it need it during a, a an extraordinary supply shock. This is not a supply shock. This is a demand shock. And so... Um, the congressional decision to turn loose of those barrels just to raise a little cash is wrong-headed to begin with, as David has suggested. And uh, so now that's not going to happen. We've got an opportunity to top the thing off, uh, but there just aren't enough barrels that can be purchased right now to make, um, you know, kind of a, a major league uh, 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 a needle-moving market impact. Very interesting. A uh, question I have is, do you think that the Saudis and Russia not – OPEC plus not coming to this agreement. Was it more about timing because of what was going on with the coronavirus? Uh, either one of you want to jump in here. We've got about maybe 55 seconds left. Oh boy, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't think David and I can uh, <laughs> I still have to I wait till after break to come back. I'll say this much though, before we, before we get into that, I will take the remaining 40 seconds to suggest that there are other players in the global uh, crude oil production scenario out there, not the least of which, and in fact the most of which, is the United States of America. And we cannot have, I refuse to permit us to have this discussion without talking about current production levels in the United States, the rate at which they have risen, the uh, uh, the number of barrels that we have added to our production in the last 10 or 11 years. It is this uh, development in the United States that has put the Saudis and the Russians and all of in them in the position that they're in right I now. agree with you. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll pick this conversation up. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Car Ingham, CEO of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Um, David, I want to bring you uh, into this conversation because um, I know you had a question on OPEC, and before the break, I, yeah. I kind of started to ask 
uh, y'all's expert opinion on, was it about timing and what was going on with why OPEC Plus could not agree to the cuts? Because, David, you and I had talked the week before on our show, and we were pretty convinced they were going to do what they normally do, and, you know, everything just kind of blew up from there. So I know you have a couple of qu- – I know you have a question on OPEC yourself for you and Carr for the discussion. So um, uh, tell me a little bit yeah. about your question on OPEC. Yeah, Carl, you know, as an economist, I know you'll have some insight, some really piercing insight on this question. It's about OPEC as an organization, which is a cartel, right? Uh, A cartel that was created, what, 50 years ago now, almost, uh, to support oil prices at a certain level. And now it has become obvious, due to these recent events, that OPEC as a cartel is no longer capable of supporting a global oil price at any level without cooperation from Russia and and Mexico and other countries that are not in OPEC. So from an economist's point of view, is there actually at this point in time now any real reason for OPEC to continue to exist? Well, from an economist's point of view, and I would say, uh, you know, a a true economist, uh, there was never a reason for OPEC to exist. Um, I understand the nature of the question, of course, but um, uh, but the notion that uh, uh, that producers, major producers, major producing countries can uh, essentially collude um, to uh, to bring about a particular price outcome to consumers, and more often than not, as you suggested, uh, to make that end consumer price higher by keeping oil prices propped up. Uh, uh, because of their colluding market actions, uh, this is <laughs> this is illegal in the United States. You know, if you had um, you had the uh, the 25 largest uh, crude oil producing uh, companies in the country uh, having a meeting uh, and uh, creating an organization designed to do that very thing, they'd all get arrested and thrown in jail. There's a reason right. this is not legal here. And so from an economist's perspective, that, you know, there was never a reason for it to exist. But now, uh, uh, this much is clear. My goodness, they've lost a lot of clout. And they've lost that clout, again, virtually entirely because of what happened in the United States of America. These extraordinary events of which I am so proud of our economy, of our market system, of our price system, and, and, uh, and most importantly, of uh, the people who get up and do this for a living every day, who put massive amounts of capital at risk, uh, who drill holes in the ground that do extraordinary things with technology, drill miles down, miles across, hit a little pocket of stuff and bring it to the surface. It's just unbelievable. But this is what we've done to them is cut into their power uh, extraordinarily. It's not that they don't still have market power, however. When you add all of their production up, uh, it's still a sizable share of total global production. So I suppose in their mind a couple of things are going on. They can still make moves that um, that are market moving. I don't think that's an arguable point really. And as you, you know, just kind of intuitively know because you're a bright guy, uh, power is, if you think you have it, is just difficult to turn loose of. It's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult to imagine a scenario now in which uh, Saudi Arabia certainly, uh, although they, I don't know, they might be more inclined than some others, uh, but uh, all of the OPEC countries individually to sort of agree to disband that organization, we'll all just slug it out in the global marketplace. Um, that That's a difficult eventuality to uh, 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 to ponder, 
Um, but they still do have some power. Um, and let's not forget that had they not undertaken OPEC Plus, I'm talking about, um, uh, not on one occasion, but two occasions to pull back, um, you know, a goodly number of barrels from the marketplace, prices would have already been lower than they were uh, going into this. And so I suppose that's the uh, I suppose that's what I think the answer to that question is. Very good. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the prediction from Goldman Sachs. Uh, I'd like your opinion, David and, and Carr, on uh, they're predicting that prices are going to remain at thirty dollars the thirty dollar range for months, possibly even to the end of the year. Um, what impact does this have on on the independent producers? Um, going forward and also in the Permian Basin area. What do we what do you see happening? What's well, a devastating impact on independent producers, uh, smaller independents who don't have uh, uh, big aren't working with big margins who uh, are are just less able to absorb uh, these kind of dramatic shocking market events. Um, you know, uh, it just depends on their internal company economics, and those are not all the same. Some have higher debt levels than uh, others, um, and those that don't have debt to service will be in a better position uh, than those that do. Um, if uh, crude oil stays in the $30 range between now and the end of the year, I think it's safe to say we're going to lose some independent uh, oil and gas companies out there, some smaller independents. And again, they're going to go by the wayside, and you won't know who they are. Uh, but it's a shame that that will happen. Um, and I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. But as, as you know, I mean, this, this, this prediction about prices between now and the end of the year hinges on some things we don't know. Are the Saudis and the Russians going to change their mind? Um, is Corona going to kind of uh, play itself out, and we return to uh, and we kind of normalize and begin to normalize anyway in terms of um, uh, kind of a restart of the global economy, the return to trade, and all of these things that keep energy demand propped up. Um, uh, smart people, Goldman Sachs among them, and I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not just pulling them out, but uh, smart people have been wrong about crude oil price predictions, uh, you know, for all of recorded history, and uh, I understand where they're going with that, but I hope it's not correct. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of other people that typically tend to be right when they're making predictions, Harold Hamm being one of them. I tend to kind of listen to what he has to say. David, when we get back from break, I know you have a couple of questions uh, you want to ask Carr, and we also want to get your opinion as well. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. 
Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Car Ingham, the CEO of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, if you want to join in the join in on the show and ask a question of these two gentlemen, please feel free to call 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Car, David, before the break, we were kind of talking about OPEC and um, are they still relevant Um, David, I'd like to see if you have a a comment on this. And then I know you have a question. We're going to kind of pivot towards what's happening here in Texas in the way of energy. So go ahead. You know, I mean, Clark pretty much covered what I expected him to on that question, and I totally agree with his assessment. (laughs) Um, But I I think another thing we ought to emphasize, and and, and Carr, I I bet you would agree with this, is that, you know, with more and more people here in in the coming weeks are going to be asked to stay at home, for a period of days and, and possibly even weeks at a time. And I think that really points up in our society, and particularly here in Texas, how valuable reliability of affordable electricity is to everyone in our society. Um, you know, and, and oil and gas play a huge role in, in making sure that everybody has reliable and, and most importantly, affordable energy at our homes uh, for, for these periods of times when we are going to be shut in probably uh, for a while. Uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. Well, I, as you know, it just sickens me that, um, <clears throat> that the system we have in place now that has led to um, uh, what you correctly refer to as affordability and reliability, we have all of this. And, in fact, we have it to such an extent uh, that it has utterly taken for granted these days. I think our nation has come to believe that there's really not very much that can be done to change the way uh, to, to to change the uh, to change their uh, the way their lives look, the way they're lived, uh, their quality of life, uh, the uh, relative low expense at which energy is provided to them. Certainly compared to virtually everywhere else on the planet, um, and so we. 
uh, we purport to undo all of these things, I, and except that we don't. I mean, we, we think we can put these uh, extraordinary measures into place and change the nature of our economic system from capitalism to something that looks like socialism or worse, and still have things just the way they are right now. So I'm quite taken by what you just said about the availability of electricity and hanging around your house and just assuming, as we always do, thank goodness, uh, that when we walk across the room, flip that light switch on, the light's going to come on. Uh, we do the same thing at the gas pump. We pull up there, we stick the card in, we stick the hose in, we squeeze the handle, and we assume something's going to come out because it always does. Um, I, I was particularly taken just by walking down the uh, aisle at Walmart the other day and seeing something that I really haven't seen, and that is the paper aisle, toilet paper and uh, paper towels and Kleenex. <laughs> Uh, I, dead empty. I mean, not a square uh, of anything. To be found. And uh, th- this is a situation that's going to fix itself. But this is what the shelves look like in economies that are not this one. And so this is a short-term situation. I don't want it to turn into a long-term situation by doing foolish things uh, to this economy that has done a better job of any economy in the history of the world of providing goods and services to its consumers. And you know, Carr and David, opening in the show, I said, I hope that as this starts playing out, that the American people see that when our president is discussing America first and saying he's for uh, not open borders and how fast we saw this virus going global, when you have cases where uh, or you have governments that are not trying to control a pandemic can really get bad quickly and it shuts everything down. Our economy now is uh, potentially uh, in a very uh, negative situation and all of these things are coming back to just one thing that occurred that was not planned. And you are right. Um, if you like what you're seeing in HEB and, and you like um uh, seeing you having to stay home and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. All of these things come back to thinking about elections have consequences. And I, you know, I'm personally a fan of saying I think we need to get a control of what's going on in our in our uh, borders and uh, looking at what is in the best interest of the United States to understand that all of our pharmaceutical medications are uh, the pharmacists are being made in China. That's going to be a problem. I mean, we need to start thinking, because this was a pandemic that we're going to live through, but what if it was something much worse? And maybe that's right around the corner. That's Kim's spiel on it. David, I'll let you ask the question about Texas oil, and I'll get off of my little platform. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think the, the last thing, to Car, that, that is worth noting here, well, there's a lot of things worth noting, but the one thing I want to be sure and talk about is the impact of lower oil prices on our state and local government's tax collections. Because mm-hmm. all these taxes on oil and gas are price sensitive, and talk about you know what that's going to do look like for local and state governments here over the next six to eight months. Yeah, very little doubt about this. I, I'm actually part of the uh, comptroller of Texas um, uh, economic roundtable, and this is a group that typically the comptroller will convene every two years in advance of a Texas legislative session to assist him in compiling the revenue estimate that the legislature will have to work with in fashioning a two-year budget. These assumptions moving into the current biennium, uh, the legislative session last year that put a budget into place that uh, still has a considerable ways to go, was largely fashioned in what appeared to be quite conservative at the time, uh, something around $50 crude oil. 
Well, now we're not going to have that, and we may not have it for some period of time. So this certainly does imply um, some potential adjustment uh, in the way the state operates because tax revenues are going to fall relative to what was expected and relative to the budget that was put into place. We are nimble enough to do this, I think, and uh, one of the reasons why is we've got a massive rainy day fund that was uh, virtually uh, entirely filled up by uh, oil and gas uh, severance taxes. Uh, the bigger uh, the bigger issue may be, as you suggest, on state and local governments in Texas. Uh, unlike a number of other producing states, uh, royal uh, pardon me um, uh, uh, reserves uh, are actually taxed at their market value as a property tax, and this is what makes tax available to uh, school districts and cities and municipalities and counties and other things, particularly in the producing regions out there. Uh, and this, uh, this this stands to cause them some pain if this goes on for some length of time. Uh, the and, uh, and, the and, oil and gas industry is such a sizable part of the state and local economies that uh, uh, that a, a 50% decline in the price of oil in two months, if it is sustained for some length of time, is going to cause uh, economic pain. There, I, there's no avoiding this. Well, Carr and David, that is all the time we have for our live show. Thank you for being a guest on today's show and helping us cut through some of the uncertainty in oil and gas. And thank you for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. 